Welcome to Sex and Happiness with Lori Handlers. Amazing sex and intimacy are just around the corner. While Lori puts the finishing touches on her new book, Sex and Happiness Over 60, please enjoy this show. It's one of her favorites from the Sex and Happiness Archives. Have you ever wondered what it might like to be the opposite gender? I imagine most people at one point or other say things to themselves, of course, in their own head, like, I wish I was a man, they seem to rule the planet. Or, I wish I were a woman, they get to dress up, be pretty, and get taken care of. You know the typical stereotypes that can be conjured about being what we're not. But what about actually changing your gender through a series of sex change operations known as gender reassignment? What about when someone actually does change? What does this involve, and what happens to them? My guest today is Millie Knox, a person who was born a man and had herself, or I guess himself then, changed into a woman. Millie spends her time teaching workshops on healing and the Kabbalah and Tantra. She is greatly known to the pagan community on the east coast of the United States through her teaching at many festivals. Millie and I met in something like 1994, and today she's here to tell me and you her story. Hi, Millie. So glad to have you, and I want to hear the scoop. (laughs) (laughs) I want to also mention here, and I'll mention it again, too, that um, you're the star of a film. Well, actually, your life is the star of a film called Soulmates Movie. The Soulmates movie, or Soulmates, and it's and people can find out about it at soulmatesmovie.com. I wanted to say that because your life is extraordinary, and uh, I want to hear all about it right now. And people can follow up by going to the website and finding out more about the film based on your life. So, what is it like? How did this happen? How? When did you notice that you? We're a guy, and you didn't want to be a guy anymore, because I know you've been through the whole gamut, the family, children, everything. So how, when did you first know, Millie? Well, I kind of knew when I was a child. Um, my, I used to spend my summers with my grandmother, and uh, I think she knew. <laughs> she um, used to make me little smocks and let me grow my hair out. Um, and they even came up with a name for me. Um, she called me Amethyst because I liked purple. That's true. And, um, I remember one time when I was eight, um, I was always, you know, um, doing tea parties with the girls in my neighborhood and dressing up in, um, mommy's clothes. And I think... I remember one time my mother dragging me down the street by my ear, hollering loudly about what a pervert she had in her family. I think it was then I found <clears throat> found out it really wasn't okay for me to be a girl. Right. Well, she gave birth what she thought to was a boy. And for all intents and purposes, you were in a boy, yeah. but you you didn't feel a boy. You weren't you you didn't feel to be a boy. No, never. And it, it was quite fine with me to just hang out with the girls um, until 
you know, I was about 11 or 12, and all my girlfriends started getting interested in boys. And then I was kind of left out um, because I didn't get along with the boys that well. Um, sure. And the girls were interested in other things than I was. It wasn't okay for me to be interested in boys. It the wasn't okay is, with the them. Thing. It could have cost you your life. I mean, luckily it didn't, but you could have been very... Not like you're any kind of sissy. You know, you're not... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do remember one time, uh, early in transition. um, Yeah, I could see that if you got uh, in boys. I was early in transition. uh, Back when I transitioned, you had to live as a woman and dress as a woman full-time for a year before they would even give you hormones. So basically, I was a guy in a dress for a while. And I was at this gas station in Fairfax, uh, gassing up my car, and this uh, truck full of guys carrying motorcycles in the back of their truck pulled up to gas up, and then they looked over at me and were going whistling and catcalling. And then they realized that I was a guy, and one of them came over and stuck a gun in my mouth and said, give me a good reason why I shouldn't pull this trigger. Well, thankfully, his friends pulled him off of me. I went home. I locked myself in my apartment. I didn't go out again for five days. Yeah, I can't blame you. I can't. It was kind of dangerous back then. Yeah, very dangerous. Now, now. But you were destined to go through with it. I mean, you you knew you had to. It was your destiny, yeah? It just seemed like the next right thing to do. Right. Now, you... It wasn't um, a great big... Yeah? Were you still... You... T- tell us... I, I mean, I want... I mean, the interesting part for me is that you were married to a woman as a guy. You were a guy... Even though you didn't really want to play that role, you you were a guy and you've had a couple of children. So when, like, where in your life did this all, did this transition? What did you say to her? You know, now I want to start wearing women's clothes. I mean, I've seen that. I'm not. It's not so foreign to me now. Um, and actually, when I met you in 1994, it wasn't foreign to me then either. <laughs> and you were about the best thing that happened to me in those years you know what i mean it was like oh, meeting, that's wonderful so meeting you was like meeting a breath of fresh air somebody who somebody <laughs> well, who had I been had, through, um... somebody who had been through the mill and uh no pun intended millie somebody who had been through the mill and who was who could feel the depths of feeling for other human beings i mean that's who you are i had um i think i just started getting softer and gentler. It sort of happened gradually. I uh, started wearing soft fabrics. And I started dressing gentler and softer, and then my whole nature changed. And my wife at the time, she knew I was crazy anyway, but she didn't think I was this crazy. (laughs) (laughs) and when I started when I started being interested in men 
she decided that, you know, this isn't going to work for her. And so uh, she moved out, and we both got one-bedroom apartments right down the street from each other. And we started being like best friends. And uh, when she had an issue come up or she was in trouble or she had to make a decision, she would come over and talk to me. <clears throat> and when I did, I would go over and talk to her. So we had that kind of a relationship. And, and the kids, when I what about the kids? I mean, surgery, who, did they, who did they stay with the most or did you do a... Did you do a split custody, and how did they adjust to this? I'm going to ask. I have to ask you many questions about how you That's adjusted. That's fine. My children. Yeah. Yeah. They stayed with me um, part of the time, and stayed with her part of the time. We just worked out a schedule. And they uh, just the how did you, how did you said, explain you know, it to them? This is what's going on. <laughs> and. Uh, they didn't care as long as they could be with, with me. They didn't care. That's pretty great. As they really? as they got older, it started bothering them. But because I remember one time we were all at the Burger King and um, I was correcting the little one, and he went, "Dad," and everybody in the restaurant looked at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that was tough. I mean, I, I, I mean, it was probably mortifying to a certain extent for your wife and for you, you know, at yeah, that well, time to be busted like at, that. You nope, know, yeah, my wife at the time, um, she lost, you know, the perfect man. She thought. I mean, I worshipped the ground she walked on. I treated her superbly. Um, I was the best lover she had ever known. I was handsome as all get out. I imagine. Um, she was really pissed that she had to let go of Ernie. Right. She was really pissed. Right. And we even had a, um, had a funeral for Ernie so to kind of help her get through the grief. And and how and, and how was that? You staged like a ritual. A ri- I mean, yeah, yeah. We decided we had um, a, a little coffin. We dug a hole. We had candles. Everybody dressed up. Um, I spoke a eulogy, and then she spoke a eulogy, and we said goodbye. And um, that's kind of how it was. Mm. It's like saying goodbye to a part of me, the part that where I had to try to be who everybody else wanted me to be, mm. and saying hello to to me, really. Yeah, there's definitely no question about who you are. It's, <laughs> um, no, it's there's not. It's a, it's amazing. It's an amazing process. Did you seek uh, counseling and help? In this transition, like before you even started to dress in women's clothing, or did you just start doing it and then get help? Or, you know, I'm asking you this because there might be somebody listening who who's right in the same situation, and I know there's more possibilities today than there was then. How many years ago did, you, did this happen? It happened in '95. In '95, I did. I started my transition 
1992. Okay. So I must have met you just right then. I, I, maybe I yeah, didn't... it was right at the beginning. Yeah. When, when and you... you know, all I had to do was get up in the morning and look in the mirror, and I was, I was happy. Everything else <laughs> was just gravy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not many people can say that, that they just look in the mirror and they're happy. <laughs> it's kind of like that today, you know. I, I get up in the morning, and the first thing I do is go, I have this full-length mirror. I go stand in front of it, and I go, today. I love you, and I get to be me today. And everything else that happens in the day is just extra. Yeah. It's, I, I never had an experience before of being who I was. So some people, uh, earth people, I call them, they get to be that way, and they've been that way their whole lives. And, yeah. uh, and they don't I appreciate it. now did that. And they, but here's the thing, they don't even appreciate it. They, they, they're like that every day, what you wanted, and they look in the mirror and they go, oh, I'm fat. Oh, I don't I like know. my thighs. I mean, I do it. I go, oh, I don't like my thighs. <laughs> or, or, wow, you know, uh, m- the skin on my arms is a little this or a little that, or, oh, I have a one blemish on my face. I, I can really hear you that you look in the mirror every day and go, I love you. I'm so happy to be here in this body now. I know I am. You know, people work, I get to be, uh, because I work on construction sites sometimes. And I'm out there on the construction site, and I'm usually get my way. And I, I'm not, and sometimes I have to be not so nice to get my way. And right. somebody will say, you bitch. And I go, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what to say. That's great. That's great. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your own emotional transition, how you actually let go of your old life. Well, um, there was counseling. Uh, uh, was it any good? Was it any good? Well, at the time, in, in, you know, in 1992, um, we, uh, you had to have uh, two... Um, sex change therapists um, recommend you for surgery. <clears throat> and they had to have enough sessions with you before they would do that. And they required uh, four or five sessions. So I went uh, four or five months to one person and in four or five months to another person. But the second person I went to after the second session, he said to me, well, here's what I want you to do, Mill. He said, for the next three sessions, what I'd like for you to do is lead the group because I can't be here, and you'll just do fine. So that's, I, that's, I moved that's such from, an acknowledgement. That's an acknowledgement of you as a leader of this. <laughs> it's so great. I moved from getting counseling to giving counseling in that in that session in that segment of my life and it it really wasn't hard for me because I made the decision to to do what was what was next what was necessary and what was what seemed to be and every step it got me closer to who I was so it seemed like the right direction to go 
So when I started dressing, um, it just, it was more of me. When I started wearing makeup, it was more of me. And after electrolysis, there was more of me available. And then uh, finally, um, <coughs> I decided to do surgery. <coughs> and it wasn't like I decided to do the surgery and then all this other stuff came. It was like the next step, I did the, each step. And then the next step, Surgery seemed like the next best thing to do. Did you? And let me ask you it, a question quickly here. Did you yeah. have only? Did you have one surgery, or did you have multiple surgeries? No, I had them all at once. Oh, I was I was on the operating table for eight and a half hours. Oh, that's quite a statement. And I, and um, I didn't have um, breast augmentation. I grew these. I'm okay. real proud of them. My uh, endocrinologist says, wow, Millie, you really were meant to be a woman. I like <laughs> playing with them. <laughs> oh. So the, the, the surgery was sort of like um, an acknowledgement of all the work I did to get that far. And the pain is, was caused by my relationships with other people in my life. Because I, I lost friends, a lot of friends. They just mm. couldn't deal with what I was going through and who I was. And there came to be a point in the middle where I had no one in my transition. I had no one. I couldn't count on anyone to relate to me. And then I started making new friends as Millie. And right, right I mean, that's now, the, that's the only the I, only person I I've ever have. known you as is Millie. I, I, but you know, and I've only had one <laughs> little glimpse of Ernie, but I've known you as Millie, and and I everyone I know who knows you knows you as Millie. Yeah, I started all over again, making new friends and establishing new communities. Um, how long? How long did you go? How long was it that that middle that the middle point where there was no one? How long of a period of time was that? I imagine it was devastating. It would have been for me. It was about five weeks. Oh. And I really, I really rarely went out. Um, I stayed in most of the time. And uh, I didn't have any support or any friends in that period. And then when I, when I started going out again, as Millie, um, I started meeting new people <clears throat> and making new friends. So great. So, and and did anyone ever, I mean, I know, listen, I'm not going to go into the, that, the history of where this happened, but I know that there was, there was some pressure on you to not share this story at the place where I first met you. Uh, but did you really, did you ever find really any negative, uh, aside from your past friends, when you've been up front with people in life now, I imagine sometimes now you don't even talk about it, but it, do, do you find like a prejudice or a real negativity from people? Not today, but in 93, um, in Washington, D.C., 
where most of my uh, gay and lesbian friends were. Uh, it was open season on transsexuals. Uh, the police uh, beat me up two or three times coming out of uh, Ziegfeld's. And mm. since then, you know, we've done sensitivity training with the police department. That doesn't happen anymore, but it did back then. Um, I had two real close friends that were transsexuals that worked in the sex industry, uh, like we all did back then, to uh, to survive. Um, and they were killed. Oh. And uh, in the movie, that's that's brought out that one my my best friend Travis, that was uh, a transsexual in transition, uh, was killed and. These, the people in the city, I mean, like, her body was just sat in the, in the morgue and nobody claimed it. I mean, her parents didn't even, uh, think enough to check on it. And, uh, they buried him in an unmarked grave and it took me five years to find it. Hmm. That's a terrible, terrible, uh, it's a terrible, reflection on the prejudices and really it shows us how important sex is uh, and how political sex is. I mean, I've thought this always that uh, sex and politics and power are, are really connected and uh, that someone to live in the, in the comfort of who they know themselves to be is disallowed based on, you know, religion and, right-wing thinking and the threat, the threat, how threatened people are. Yeah, they nail people to trees for that. Yeah, yeah. So the thing you did, it, it was just very, very courageous. I mean, it well, took, it took, I've, I've blazed a lot of trails for, for a lot of the young girls of today. <laughs> and there's support groups and that they can contact in their areas. Um, we have the internet now. Um, we didn't back then. Uh, we have the internet. We, there's there's support for people. They don't, they don't have to do this on their own, uh, like yeah. I did. Yeah, and that's well, the good still, news. It was still a kind of relatively new operation in 1992, or you know. Yeah, it was. There was only uh, like uh, three. Um, Three doctors doing it. There was a biber out in Colorado, and there was somebody in Montreal, and then there was uh, Eugene Schrang in uh, Wisconsin. These are the doctors you're naming. Doctor, this is how many doctors did the operation? Three. Three doctors. There were three places you could go that I that I researched that were within. You know, that I could get to in the States or just across the line in Canada. I, I watched videos of their, uh, procedure. I talked to people that had gone to that doctor. And then I picked the cutest one to do my operation. <laughs> that's just like you. That's so great. <laughs> I guess that's what I would have done too. That's really, that's adorable. So Millie. I want to talk about your life now because okay, yeah, because I I mean it's amazing the transition that you went through. It's amazing that we met. It's amazing that someone 
else that I know and you know wanted to make a film of your life and I'm so thrilled that that she did and so I want to talk about your life now like your body you know you said you grew your own breasts you didn't have breast implants I mean I I know everyone wants to know I'm, I'm sure everybody wants to know like when you're having sex now I mean do you have it do you you had sex as a man before and you said earlier in the show that your wife your former wife said that you were the best lover she ever had so how How's that working for you now? How are you as a woman? Do your partners say you're the best lover they ever had? Well, I don't have any complaints. And <laughs> once somebody's been in my bed, it's never the same for them again to have sex with anybody else. So I have a lot of people that uh, contact me regularly. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a lot of friends with benefits? <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I have... I have this one friend uh, who's a fireman who um, I've known for 17 years. He and I got together when, before surgery when I was uh, just first in transition. And uh, he's been there for 17 years, and he's one of Millie's first friends. And uh, he's got children and... Uh, his wife left him, oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, and he wanted me to come out and raise his children for him. I said, oh. no, done that already. <laughs> um, but we still in contact. And I have several friends like that that I've met that, that just hang in there with me. And um, sex for me today is, uh, as a woman, it's, it's not so much about um, being penetrated. Well, well, sometimes it, it is something. Uh, it is like that sometimes, but most of the time, uh, it's about drawing somebody in uh, and absorbing them and having them close and into my center. And uh, usually, I have sex on my terms, and it's for what I want. Um, because for years and years and years, when I had sex, it was about giving the other person pleasure. Right. I really never got that much out of it myself. And today, it's all about what I want. And I think that's the best part. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, 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 how, and how does Tantra play in there? Well, um, Tantra allowed me... Uh, with the exercises and the breathing, breathing and with the philosophy too, it allowed me to take a different, have a different relationship with sex. Um, a different relationship entirely. I, I don't have sex just with my body. Um, my spiritual that's, that's self is involved, my mental self is involved, and of course my physical self is involved, but it's like, um, all of that happens at the same time. There's, there's no disassociation like there used to be. Used to be I'd have sex, have a release, and then, uh, and then I could be close. Oh, that's so, that's so, that's a really critical point because, because that was as close as he was going to get. Yeah, yeah. To, to be yeah. a woman. And he, he settled for that for years and years. 
And now it's about, wow, this is for me. This is for me now. And Tantra has allowed me to take and expand the experience uh, so that, one, it lasts as long as I want it to last, and, uh, two, I start with uh, my arousal like a week before I ever have sex with anybody. And it just builds and builds and builds. And I have multiple orgasms. I, and each one, um, sends me further and further and further over the top. And then finally I just have to stop because it gets to be almost painful. Right. That's kind of how it is for me now. Yeah. It's a great, it's, listen, it's a great description that you're giving and I, it certainly answers the question, you know, can you feel this as a woman? Can you, has Tantra helped you expand your orgasm and expand your whole being ability to, to be present? And I love when you said you start building it a week before. I mean, what a lucky kind of way to deal with it. I mean, not that luck has anything to do with it, but you know what I mean. Like how yeah, lucky you are as a woman to be able to to do that, to experience oh, that. And, it, and, and a woman my age, um, I don't have any trouble uh, lubricating. Mm-hmm. I just get really, really wet. And most transsexuals don't. And most women my age don't, but I do, and I think Tantra played a big part in that. Yeah, it does play a big part in that. I know for person, I know personally, and I also know, you know, there's other students of mine who have called me. There was one, actually, who was on the show with me a long time ago, and she said she called me. She gave the, the story about how she called me, and she said, you know, I'm really embarrassed to be with my lover now or any lover. She said, I don't lubricate anymore and I don't know what to do and I said well are you doing any exercises are you doing squeezing and breathing are you squeezing your sphincter muscles and your PC muscles and are you charging yourself up and she said no and I said well try that I have a video I have a CD of that you can find that almost anywhere on my website on butterfly workshops why don't you just try that again so she tried it and she called me up the next day and she said oh my god I was wet (laughs) (laughs) Good for her. It's, well, because it's in your head that, you know, things don't work, and it's our head that gets yeah. in the way of us using our body. So, you know, so it's I, great that you I love that. being a woman. It's, now, let me ask you something about relationship. who I am. Let me ask I mean, you something about relationship. You, um, for money that I did um, before transition, I still design sound systems right. uh, for stadiums and performing arts centers. I get paid half as much <laughs> as a woman, but oh. I get to, I still do the same things I did before, but my life is not all about that anymore. I have people that come to me to be nurtured, uh, to learn how to heal. I counsel people. I, I have a coven in, in Alexandria with 40 or 50 people in it that depend on me for their spiritual education and comfort and support. And we do incantations and invite spirits in and we break bread with each other. 
and we ask for healing for the people in our lives. We have ceremonies once a month at the full moon, and, and there's not that many places that people can go and be totally accepted with their belief system, no matter what it is. I have 30 people at a ceremony. I have 30 different religions, 30 different belief systems, and we all support each other. I couldn't find a place to go to church. I was raised an Episcopalian, and I went to Toro in, in Fairfax. And their priest actually, you know, when you're walking out and shaking hands with the priest, he pulled me over and he said, you know, it's been requested that you don't return here. No kidding. So the priest actually said that to you? Yeah. Wow. That's a step. I know. It kind of floored me. I didn't think people would do that. But this, this particular group is the one that uh, broke away from the Anglican Communion mm-hmm. and started their own deal because they didn't want women to be priests. Oh, I see. So it was oh, a very, was, it was a pretty what, conservative group. So I, I, I yeah, you could say that. To hurt somebody like that, I mean, it's just it blows my mind. Uh, I want to go back for a second because I, I will. I want to ask you some more about this. Um, your group, your Wiccan group. Oh, I okay. Wanna, I want to ask you about sex again for a moment, and uh, and partnering. What I want to know is. It's, do you see yourself as ever settling down with one person again? You know, do you see yourself as uh, having, finding, are you searching at all for a partner, for a partner, you know, the one, or are you not? I'm, I am open to having a, a life partner, and I'm looking. The lady sends me um, people to audition every year. Um, so I usually have one person in the, that comes that I meet in the spring, and then we see how it goes. And they've, you know, they've been getting better and better and better, and I've been able to uh, get along with uh, a partner uh, for a longer period of time each year. And okay. I do want that more than anything else in the world. I do. What lady? Uh, but I also want my independence more than I... Uh, yeah, yeah. Want anything else too? And this, I'm I'm working to uh, resolve that that conflict uh, because the kind of men I'm attracted to uh, want to run my life too. Right. And wait, what? Wait, what? Lady sends you audition partner? Oh, the lady, uh, the goddess. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> You mean the goddess, like the god, the goddess of all? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you meant a matchmaker. You know, I'm, I'm going. No, you, know, you thought I had a service. <laughs> in my listen, in my previous life, I was a matchmaker for a while. I owned, I was part oh, owner of Georgetown Connection, Washington D.C.'s first video dating company. So you know, when you say the lady, I figured someone like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess no. the goddess is someone like me. So. <laughs> So okay, so so I get it. You get attracted to men, and they get attracted to you, and then they try to run your life, which is what I opened the show with, you know, saying, "Gee, I wish I were a man. That way, I could rule the world." And so I could listen. Plenty of men have tried to rule my world, and plenty are now trying to rule your world. And it's it's cultural training. It's just cultural training. So is it possible for you to find a partner and 
and retrain him and soften yourself? Well, that's the inquiry that I'm in. And okay. I do, I, I do have that as, as something that I want. And okay. I'm working on what changes do I have to make in myself to make the space for that. And, uh, maybe I should, uh, take a, a broader look at the, the men that come into my life. And lots of them do, and lots of them have. And this spring even more so. Um, I think I'm going to, I think it's, it's, it's about time, uh, for me to find someone. And well, I, please don't feel any pressure from me. I, I, cause I don't, I, first of all, I don't know if having only one partner works. I haven't, in my well, life. I wouldn't worked. have just one partner, but I am looking for a life right. partner. Right. Okay, I understand. Someone okay. that you have a life partner with, and then you can also have some other people. I, cause I don't have any answers to that question. Yeah, it's something that's a decision I, I probably will have to make at some point in a certain type of relationship, but I, I'm not there now. Right. And, uh, if I, if I do have a, a significant other, we will probably have other partners. Right, right. All right, well, on that I note, we're going to, we're going to, that are my friends that have been my friends for 10, 15 years, and I'm not going to, not have them be my friends anymore. Sure, sure. So what about, have you ever had anybody come to you who's um, considering gender switching uh, yeah. or even just cross-dressing? Have you had anyone, do you counsel anyone like that, you know, in couples or as individuals? Well, I have um, I have three people in my group that are transsexuals, and, and two of them I counseled. Uh, through the whole process, uh, they were like sitting on the fence. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to talk to their partner about it. Um, and I worked with them through, um, oh, I guess it was about a six-month process with one and a nine-month process with the other and getting from where they need to uh, to be in order to take on making the changes. And... Out of that, uh, those two people actually run support groups now for uh, transsexuals, and we we have a couple of really good groups uh, in our area. There's uh, for anyone that's thinking about uh, sexual reassignment surgery, um, I would have them go uh, to the uh, Transgender Education Association website. It's TEA. And they'll have a list of local groups, and they're all over the country. Yeah, and now they, can they, email, are. they can email me. I have my email on my website, uh, millieknox.com, uh, and I can talk with them about it um, and find a group close to them, a support group close to where they live, because I have a network of, of transsexual friends all over the country. Yes. And, uh, I'm in communication with them, you know, on Facebook and uh, by email. So anybody thinking about it, um, you can't, I, I don't recommend that you do this without a support group at all today anyway because the process is so quick now. Now, um, I have to ask you another question about this. Is there some depression and grief that people should expect 
and that may linger for a while uh, with such a huge change? In the, in the beginning, um, I felt like I couldn't do some of the things that I really like to do, uh, like race cars, I like shoot guns, uh, I like jumping out of airplanes, I like hand gliding. I thought I had to give all of that up, you know, to change. And, and at some level, I did. I gave that up for a while. Uh, and there's, whenever you say goodbye to a part of yourself or something that you really loved and enjoyed, there is grief. And you go through all the stages of grief. You get angry about it. You stay in denial about it, like the, the transsexual that came to me for counseling that I said was sitting on the fence. Yeah. She was in denial and then, uh, bargaining. Then you go, well, I'll dress up on these days and these days I'll wear my male clothes, uh, because I might offend somebody over at this place I go do this thing I really like. And when we have to let go of that, there's grief. Um, and, well, uh, well, finally I mean, we wait get a minute, though. To, I know there are people uh, who don't have a sex change, but who just dress who cross-dress, that's a whole other group of people, or are those people, in your opinion, who really are too chicken to have an operation? No, a lot of them do it, uh, and we call them uh, transvestites. Oh, okay. They, if they're truly transvestites, they're just doing it. They get a sexual thrill out of cross-dressing. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just how they're wired. And um, they've got no intention of giving up their male parts. Uh, but they just like to dress and be soft and uh, um, take on uh, being a woman because it it gives them a thrill. Does that make okay. sense? Okay, so there's really a difference. There's a distinction. Uh, yeah, there's big a difference. difference. Okay. <laughs> so a transsexual is actually female and has male body parts. It doesn't um, work from female to male, like a woman being born as a woman and then wanting to change into a man? Sure, it works. Uh, I, I've got lots of friends that are, that are uh, F to M's, we call them. Um, and they're living great lives as men. There's uh, a lot of pressure from our culture and our society because they are now men, <laughs> And they have all the benefits of being a man. Uh, they get paid more. They uh, get to be in charge more. They're put in management positions first. Um, there's a lot of pressure from the male community not to let them in. So they don't, they aren't as open as I am about it. Yeah. I can you see. Know, I, they, I, you know, they, I never considered what you're saying. DL, you know. I never considered this. It's so political. Once again, it's such politics. It's amazing. We're living in Washington D.C. Everything's politics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question about your. Let, let's go very quickly to the film. Everybody that saw it and people that buy the the DVD online, if they could take away just one thing from watching the movie, if they can give themselves permission just to be who they are, even for a moment. 
then all that pain and all that angst and everything I went through, it was worth it. It's a very big statement. It's a very big, beautiful statement you're making. And, you know, I imagine that people did take that away. I mean, I saw the write-ups on Facebook. I saw what people said to you. Uh, afterwards, the congratulations. But they also commented not just congratulations to you, but they actually said what they got. I felt that people were having a growth experience from your experience and and the portrayal of it on the screen. So Everybody came out of the premiere with, uh, I think they were expanded, and uh, they had more joy in their life. At the after party, there wasn't there wasn't a... A dry eye in the house, and there there wasn't an unhappy person there. There's this one girl that came up to me, and she said, "I want to thank you for the huge difference you made in my mother's life." I have no idea who this girl was. I have no idea who her mother was, but my friends told me that this lady and her daughter had been walking by the theater and wanted to know <laughs> what was going on. So they went in to watch it. That's great. <laughs> Well, I really want to thank you for being my guest today. I, this has been an extraordinary show. My guest, uh, Millie Knox, has just been discussing her life after going through gender reassignment operation, going from being a, born in a male body to a female body, and she's given some excellent advice to people who may be on the fence about this. Millie, I'm grateful to have you in my life. I love you, and uh, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me, sweetie.